Bible reading comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother, Mary, was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Please be seated. It is good to see you all this morning, and if you are visiting with us and have gotten one of those uh, visitor's packets, inside that packet you'll find an attendance card if you'll push those to the aisles. At this time I have some gentlemen who will come by and pick those things up for you. We'd love to have a record of your attendance. We'd like to invite you back. Any opportunity that you have to be with us uh, would be a blessing for us. Over the next two weeks... We want to study the entirety of the gospel. Think we can do that in two weeks? <laughs> We're going to give it a shot. And I'm going to be real honest with you. As you and I and the society in which we live have our minds focused on the birth of Jesus during this time, uh, we know uh, according to the calendar that's not factually correct. But I can tell you this, without a cradle, there's no need for a cross. Without the birth of Jesus Christ, you're never going to have the sacrifice. It is necessary when you study the life of Jesus Christ and the gospel itself, you study about his birth. It's just something that has happened, and, and you and I are going to look at those things today. So many folks think they know Jesus when they kind of know some facts somewhere about Jesus. They know a little bit of the birth, and they know a little bit of the death, but even the things in between there, they don't know so much. And perhaps we don't know so much, and we think we have a good beat on Him when in fact... We know just a couple of things that will allow us to sort of skate by in a, in a fashion in which we could speak about it in conversation. The divisions even of the Bible are foreign to most people. They don't understand between the New Testament and the Old Testament. As a matter of fact, they'll look at those characters and say, didn't Abraham and Moses and, and Jesus and Noah and all those guys, didn't they live about the same time? Um... Well, if, if you're looking at it about the time we live, they kind of lived about the same time. But no, you have, you have Job who would have lived uh, just right after the flood. You have David who lived, you know, just a couple of 14 generations before Jesus the Christ. So you've got a big span of time there that, that a lot of people don't understand how the Bible breaks it down. As a matter of fact, uh, we ourselves are... You know, you try to find words that don't, that don't really hurt when you say them. But I'm going to change the word undereducated to the word I wanted to use. And that word is ignorant. We're just ignorant about it. We don't know about it because it's not part of what we want to know about. How many of you like the, the television show Jeopardy? All right, me and Michael. How many of you hate it? 
There's usually a love-hate relationship there with it. The, the two greatest uh, columns I hope come up every day are sports and the Bible. Because you will blank the entire contestant group with sports and the Bible. If, the, if baseball comes up or football comes up, you might as well go ahead and run through those five questions real quick because they're not going to get any of them. You throw Bible up there, you might as well just run through those five real quick because they're not even going to try to get those. They'll save those to the very end and go, I guess I got to go Bible for a hundred, Alex. And that, that's a terrible thing for us to think about because we saturate our lives with it. And we think, how do you guys not know that? But most people just, just don't know about that. So let's take today and look at some of Jesus the Christ and His birth. You know, there are 300 plus references in the Old Testament that deal with the coming of Jesus the Christ and the birth of Jesus Christ, not even to begin with Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 15. What about Genesis chapter 12 verses 1 through 3 where that promise is made to Abraham? I'm going to make your family great. I'm going to give you a great land and the, the entirety of the world is going to be blessed because of your family. Now what do you mean by that? Well, Jesus the Christ is coming through that seed of, of Abraham. What about Genesis chapter 49 and verse 1 where the scepter will not depart from Shiloh until, uh, or Judah until Shiloh comes? Jesus the Christ. What about 2 Samuel chapter 7 verses 14 through 16 where, where uh, David is told, Hey, you may sleep with your kings, but I'm going to raise up from your throne the Christ. And so as you and I look through these particular verses, we see that coming of the Christ and we see why it is the fact that Matthew wrote, now the birth of Jesus Christ happened this way. This same way that they have been looking for for so many years and under 300 prophecies, not only were they looking for Him, had they had their eyes open just a little bit, had they had their focus on Him just a little bit, He would have come through with shining colors. They could have seen him from a mile away. But what we have is four books within 66 books of the Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Four out of the 66 deal with Jesus' physical life while you're here on this earth. And as Drew pointed out, I don't know where he went, he went somewhere. As Drew pointed out just a moment ago, only two of those four books speak about the birth of Jesus Christ. And then really only 39 verses in the entire Bible speak about what happened during His birth. And if you break that down even further, there are only three verses in the Bible that tell you about how Jesus is born. As a matter of fact, the Dr. Luke says it this way, Jesus was born. Well, that's not a great pile of information there. Thank you so much. And if you look at the end of his life also, Luke says this way, they, they took him to Calvary and they crucified him. And that was it. And so as you look at those three verses, from those three verses, from those four books, out of 66, that would be about 6% of the Bible. Here you have one singular character in the Bible who changed time. Not the way you and I change time as we drive, say, from the great state of Alabama into the great state of Georgia, where you pick up an hour or lose an hour depending on how you're driving. He changes time from before I existed. That's B.C., before Christ. Before I existed. Or 
in the year that I was born. That's B.C. and A.D. Time revolves around him. Listen, are you ready? Are you listening? This guy's going to be important. He's going to be really important if he's the one who can change the way we have a concept of time. He's going to be kind of important. Here you have a Greek word on your screen that you say, I don't have any idea what that means or what that says. Don't worry, I don't either. We'll just make it up as we go, right? No, no, no. This word here that you're looking at is a, is a uh, root word called monogenase. Uh, it's really two words strung together as we often do even in the English language. And uh, it has been translated in the King James Version as um, something. Look at John chapter 3 and verse 16. Only begotten, never mind. <laughs> only begotten. Of course, we don't really understand only begotten very well, do we? If you're looking at it, the, the word would be something along the lines of completely unique to anyone ever at any time in the entirety of the human race. Which means the blood that courses through his veins, that 1.2 gallons, is, is completely different from the blood that courses through my veins. Well, why is this one so unique. Well, in Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 through 17, what we find is some a lineage, a small lineage on Mary's side of Jesus the Christ. And we see that promise that's coming through Jesus the Christ, and we see it shown in its fulfillment in, in, in chapter 1, verse number 18. We see that from the time he was born, there's something completely unique about this guy. Look at his unique birth. It is the case that in order for Jesus to be a human, he has to be born. It's, it's just the case. He has to go from a divine state to a state of humanity. In John chapter 1 verse 14, we'll, we'll read that he will put on this cloak of humanity and live amongst us. In Hebrews chapter 1, we're told that God made him a little lower than the angels. That is, he made him to be a human. And the express reason, the express reason he is made to be a person is so that he can live out this uh, amount of time, according to Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4, in the fullness of time Jesus came, to, to live out this express time limit of 33-ish years and then to die. The only reason he's born as a person is that he is born to die. Now, now figure this out. Let me ask you some questions. Can God die? Shake or nod. He did. Can, God, can a God be born? He was. Can a God be subject to a mother and a father in a household? He was. Can a God be tempted? And then could a God choose incorrectly? He was. He did not. We look at the birth of Jesus the Christ and we... We, 
we see what we are noticing that are up in lights in the yards around our houses. And the birth of Jesus Christ was so much more than uh, just some camels and some, and some shepherds somewhere and Jesus in a manger. Here you have this unique birth of His that was fulfilled out of prophecy. Isaiah chapter 7 verse number 50, uh, 14 tells us about the, the one who would bear Him being the virgin. Not just a virgin, but the specific one that had been chosen. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6 tells us that, that God's going to send forth that Son. His name's going to be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, the, uh, the, the ultimate of the Father right there. But it's Exodus chapter 13 and verse 2 that really, really... Uh, should crank our tractor on this idea. Notice Exodus chapter 13 and verse number 2 when you talk about His unique birth. Everything within the Old Testament, especially um, uh, sacrificially wise, uh, we look at that and we say all of those things point to Jesus on the cross. That's right. Did you know that Exodus chapter 13 and verse 2 points to Jesus in the birth? Exodus chapter 13 verse 2 uh, Moses will write for us that God says everything, every child, every animal, everything that's born first that opens up the womb of their mother, everything belongs to me. What's he pointing toward? What, what, what is this whole sentence, this whole, this whole uh, verse pointing toward? Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. Jesus was the firstborn, wasn't he? Oh, yeah. Now, we begin to look at that Old Testament and see how unique the birth of Jesus the Christ was. Then, then we have to look at that and, and begin to look at his life and say how interesting it is. When you and I look at Matthew chapter 1, we're going to have to notice a few things. That, that Jesus did have an earthly mother. I don't know if you know this about the human anatomy, but in order to be born, you're going to have to have a mother. Isn't that right? That's facts, right? Hey, are y'all awake? Can y'all hear me? In order to be born, you're going to have to have a mother, right? Jesus had an earthly father, but it was not the biological father of Jesus. Jesus' father on earth was chosen by God to be his father. He said, you're going to have to raise my son. And you and I look at the mother of Jesus the Christ. We see her throughout all of the Gospels. And in Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 37, she's told by an angel that she is, uh, ha is impregnated with the Son of God. What if that's your job? What if you're this angel and you have to deliver this message to this girl? Your life will from now on fundamentally change. Everyone will look at you differently in society. Everywhere that you go, everyone will talk about you for the rest of your life. And then not only that, somebody in Hot Springs will talk about you 2,000 years after you're dead. We find in Matthew chapter 1, she stays pure from Joseph until after Jesus is born. They stayed away from each other sexually until Jesus was born. You Try to imagine her life. Try to imagine her going and, and getting some water. 
going down through the marketplace and buying bread or spices or whatever she would need for that day. Oh, here she comes. Look at that one right there. You know what happened to her? Mm-hmm. She said it was God, but... Mm. So I'm not, I'm not very new to this earth, but I know how babies are made. Just something she's going to have to deal with the rest of her life. There's no way. There's no way at a point in time that that does not get to her. How many nights do you think it is where Mary is laying down on the bedding that she has? Thinking, I know what I should be doing and I know that what I'm doing is right and I know that I'm raising the very Son of God, but I wish these people would just get off my back. How many times do you think she laid there and cried at night because of what somebody said who didn't know half about what they were talking about, but they wanted to be twice as loud as, them, as what they knew? You know what? She should just quit. If, if she lived in our society, she should just quit, right? Nobody's ever going to believe this is the Son of God, so why even have this baby? Do you see the ramifications of what could have happened for us spiritually if she doesn't have this baby? If she doesn't go through with this labeling and then it's the berating through the rest of her life? If he's never born, he never dies. If he's never born, I never have a second chance at life. If things are too difficult for her, if, if it becomes too much for her, why doesn't she just stop? Well, she has someone to lean on is why she doesn't stop because there's, there's Joseph, Matthew chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. Because Joseph is a just man, that has to strengthen Mary. Joseph is a, is a man who follows after God's will. Joseph is a man who reads what the Torah would say, reads what God's Word would say, and says, I'm going to do those things. I'm going to follow after those things. As a matter of fact, when you and I look at the birth of Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 1, what we find Him in His justness is, is saying this, I also know how children are born. Now His decision is, do I stay with her? Do I put her away privately or do I drag her outside of the city streets and stone her to death? By the way, if he chooses number three, we still don't have a Savior. Matthew chapter 1, 19 and 20, while he thought on these things, the angel appeared to him and said, Fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife. And he tells her the exact same, or tells Joseph the exact same thing he told Mary. That which is conceived in her 
is of the Holy Ghost. Boy, this, this just got complicated. What are, you, what are you supposed to do? What is he supposed to do? Is he supposed to raise this child like it's his? Yeah. Is this child his? I don't know. Let's ask this question. What do you think about adoption? Is this child his? It's his child. He's going to raise it just like it's any other child that he and Mary will have. Only this child has something attached to him that no other child in the world's going to have. Here's the moniker Son of God. You ever borrowed, Derek, you ever borrowed anybody's chainsaw? Maybe, yeah, one time when I didn't have one, I did. And you probably taught like we were. If you if you borrow something, you bring it back full of gas and better than you. Yeah, all the, oh my goodness. Here, here's the son of God. Now, don't you give him back better than you? Whoa. What do you What do you do with him? How do you start? What if he's bad? What if he needs discipline? What if he needs correction? What are you going to do? How do, you, how do you begin to put your mind and your idea and your, and your, your arms around this? Here's a just man who was deep in thought about what he should do, probably yet not thinking about who he's going to raise. And probably not thinking yet that while Mary is going to be talked about, extensively, so will Joseph. Oh, you married her? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's not your son. That's right. Yeah, he's the son of God. Okay. Joseph's going to be labeled too. Joseph's going to have to deal with those things. Jo Matter of fact, Joseph is, is going to be in a completely unique situation at points in time in his life where he lays down in the bed beside his wife and hears his wife crying about the things that people have been saying about her, about the Son of God who is the Savior of the world. What can he do about it? How does he comfort her? Ladies, let me tell you something. There's, there's, no, there's no more helpless place for a husband than to be there with you as you are in, in some sort of grief or mourning and we know there's absolutely nothing we can do to help you. We want to. We really want to. We really want to fix that problem, but there's no way. And Joseph is right here laying beside her. In Matthew chapter 2, God comes to Joseph and said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to get my son and get him out of town. Matter of fact, take him down to Egypt. Take Mary, take Jesus, 
Go to Egypt, I'll tell you when to come back. What if Joseph would have said, that's a great idea, but, you know, if we stick together, they're probably going to take us out. So we'll send Mary down there and, and Jesus and I will go up to Nazareth. We'll, we'll split up. Or we'll send Mary to Nazareth and Jesus and I will go down. It's not what he did. He said, you take all three of you guys and you go down there. And it is Joseph who followed the very word of God. And, and they stayed down there until God said, come back. What does that tell me? That tells me that Joseph's going to do what God says to do with God's son. And so as I look at that, I see Joseph, I see Mary. Brother Elkins has since passed away, but he would say this in our Life of Christ class, that Jesus proved himself as deity over and over and over again from a virgin womb to a virgin tomb. And over the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at from a virgin womb to a virgin tomb. His unique birth persuades us. Matter of fact, just looking at those things that we looked at today sort of draw us in a little closer to the account that happened with his, with his birth. And now I want to know more about what happened, why, why he went there when he was 12. Why didn't, they notice about him? why didn't they notice him going then? What happened with Jesus the Christ? We look at his life, we look at his death, we look at his resurrection, we look at his ascension. It forces us to take Jesus out of a, of a stable area and look at him as the Christ. Because with his unique birth, it ultimately ends on a Roman cross. And it ultimately ends with the death of an innocent man. This one who we look at and is such a, a precious little baby in this, in this area of being uh, attended to by mother and father, ends up an innocent man dying on a cross. And aren't you glad of that? Because the end of that birth ends with my salvation. and ends with your salvation. Without a birth, you don't have a death. Without a death, you don't have salvation. Now what we find this time of year is this. We like to and enjoy keeping Jesus inside that manger. Wrapped up in those swaddling clothes. Kind of gooing like a little baby does, you know, and grabbing your finger. Isn't that so nice? Smelling like that little pink lotion. I don't know if they had that back then, but I'm going to pretend that they did because that's my favorite smell. That's where we like to keep him. You know why? Because the baby that's there, the baby that's laying right there before us in the, story, in the account of his birth requires nothing from mankind. He's just a cute little baby. When we look at him on that cross, And we see him, as Isaiah would write, beaten so far that he doesn't even appear to be human. When we see him from that little baby then to dying on the cross for us, then saying, pick up your cross and follow me. Now we have this one who died for me, asking me to do something for him. 
that's a hard place to be. Because what I want is to look at the cute baby. What I don't want to look at is the cost of sin. But in order to speak of the birth, you have to speak of the death. In order to speak of the death, you have to speak of the birth. There's no way in between it. That one who was born in Bethlehem dies outside of the gates in Jerusalem. For the sins of humanity, for those previous to him and those who come after, dies for every sin of every man. That includes you. And that includes me. You know, we sing a song from time to time, What Will You Do With Jesus? The question comes to you. Tonight, today, the question comes to you like this. What are you going to do with that? Knowing his birth and knowing how uh, unique that birth is and, and how the parents played into that, knowing that it leads up to the death on the cross because of what I have done. What are you going to do with the sacrifice that was made for you? Will you listen to what God says? Romans 10, 17. Would you believe it? Hebrews 11, verse 6. Would you repent of your sin? Luke 13, 3 and 5. Would you confess that Jesus is the Christ? Matthew 10, 32 and 33. Would you be baptized in water? Acts 2, 38. For the remission of your sins and then to be raised to walk in the newness of life? Romans 6, 1 through 4. If you would do those things, God would adopt you into His very family. Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. But you're going to have to choose. It's up to you. An interesting thing about God is while He gave us salvation to free us from sin, He also gave us free will to choose for ourselves. What a terrible gift. Because we often misuse it, don't we? Let me implore you today, choose salvation. Choose life. Come to God through Christ and become His child. It might be that you've done those things already. Let me encourage you also to choose life. As you look at your life and you hold it up against the standard of God's Word, perhaps, perhaps yours is just a little bit short. And you know that. You too can come home. You too can come back to God. You too can restore a relationship that God had with you at one point in time and, and you have walked away from. But, but you can come back. You can be um, welcomed back into the family of God by a God who's waiting and longing to see you. But once again, it's still your choice. What will you do with Jesus? We'll find out momentarily while we stand and sing for your encouragement.